Well, brothers and sisters, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn to the prophet Jonah. The prophet Jonah chapter 1. And I know what some of you are thinking. You covered three verses last week, three verses the week before. If you're wanting to finish this book before the senior arrives, you are in deep trouble, as I was told this week. But I do still plan to finish this book before the senior arrives, so hold fast. We're going to try to bring this ship into shore. Uh, But Jonah chapter 1, while you turn there, I'll say a few words of introduction. Throughout the Scripture and history, the Lord contends with men and their sin. Whether you're in Genesis 3, with Adam in the fall. Adam, where are you? And he sends Adam out of the garden. That he might not take of the tree that is in the midst of the garden and live forever. Or whether it's Jonah here in Jonah 1, or whether it's even through animals with Balaam and his donkey. The Lord contends with men who are in their sin. And most often, He uses various means for such things. He uses your friends. Sometimes He uses your pastor. Don't hate me. Don't shoot the messenger. Sometimes your coworker, children, your spouse. Today in Jonah, we see that the Lord uses means. We've seen it the past two weeks in pursuing His rebellious people in order to bring them back. C.S. Lewis once said, the Christian does not think God will love him because he is good, but that God will make us good because He loves us. And it's very much the story of Jonah is that God will make Jonah good because He loves him. And so let me pray, and we're going to jump into the passage, uh, Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 4 through 16. We're going to focus on 7 through 16. But let me pray for us first. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, this is Your Word, and Your Word is truth. Father, come and dispel the lies of our hearts. Come and help us to trust in the Savior. And come, Holy Spirit, and preach a better sermon than the one I have written. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. This is the word of the living God. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. And each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship, and had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. In our text today, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, 
Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls. The Word of God endures forever. May He write its truths on our hearts. Well, brothers and sisters, today I have a proposition and two points for you. The Lord reclaims sinners. The Lord reclaims sinners through exposing us. And the Lord reclaims sinners through making substitution for us. Brothers, the Lord reclaims sinners through exposing us. And the Lord reclaims sinners through making substitution for us. See how our passage begins. The Lord reclaims sinners through exposing us. Verse 7. It says, And they said to one another, the mariners, three verbs, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. I want you to see that these verbs go in sequential formation. They come together, unified to find out who it is that has caused this evil. And they cast lots as a result, and they find out. At this point, the sailors have exhausted every possible avenue. These men have prayed, each one to his own God. Verse 5, they have hurled the cargo from the ship to lighten it for them. They have awoken every man who was on the ship and brought them up, and they are at the end of their rope. These men are on the verge of death, and they must find out on whose account. Notice that they believe the storm is a consequence to sin. And we noted last week that not all storms have sin attached to them, right? John 9, why is this man blind? And the Lord says, it's not because of his mother or his father. It is for the glory of God. Not all sins 
Uh, not all storms are because of sins. But they are correct that some, some storms are because of sins, and that's what we see in Jonah 1. In this case, the storm is due to the sin of Jonah. And so they go to discern who it is. We have the advantage of the reader knowing who it is, don't we? But they cast lots and they find the culprit. See what it says, verse 7. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. This dove, Jonah, so the name means dove, the son of faithfulness, son of Amittai, is found out to be a rebel and one who is unfaithful. He's exposed, and Jonah, as in Galatians 6, has sown, and now he is reaping. His sin has found him out. And I wonder, have you ever been found out? It is one of the best things that can ever happen to you, to be found out. All men will be found And all men will be revealed to be who they truly are. But what a grace it is in this life to be exposed. What does 1 John say? We confess our sins. We bring them into the light that what people may see, that the Lord may know, that we may have atonement. Proverbs 16, 33, the lot is cast in the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now the lot has fallen on Jonah, and I want you to notice what they do in verse 8. Verse 8, they begin to pepper Jonah with questions like a French fry. See what they say. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I want you to keep in mind the scene that is driving these questions. That these men are in chaotic circumstances. He's going to say in verse 11 that the sea is growing more and more tempestuous. Verse 13, the sea is growing more and more tempestuous. They are in the midst of raging storms. And as surely seasoned mariners as they are, they realize the divine nature behind the storm. And Jonah's sin has not only affected him, and isn't this often true, it has affected everyone upon the Mediterranean Sea. As the sea has become tempestuous for all those people. The preface to these men's questions is that they are on the verge of death and a watery grave. The questions aren't random, if you're wondering. They're not random. In Gentile pagan culture, you had a plethora of deities and one for everything. You had one for your occupation. You had one for where you would come from, one for your country and your people, and they are seeking to understand this one question, who is the God of Jonah and how can His wrath be abated? 
They are seeking to discern what God they must make atonement to. And the questions are desiring to figure out this God which Jonah tells them. Verse 9. He said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. It is peculiar that Jonah begins his answer with a thing that got him in trouble. You don't know exactly if Jonah has repentance working in him just yet. Why is he running? Because he loves his people above all other people's. And because he would not see the grace of God go to anyone other than the people of Israel. And his first answer is not to their first question. When he says, I am a Hebrew, he says, first and foremost, this is who I am and it's why I'm running. His identity is exposed by his answer. He found who he was supremely, not in his faith, but in his family. his tribe, the people into which he was born, and we can often identify. If someone asks you who you are, or perhaps better, whose you are, what do you say? To whom do you belong? We all know the answer to the Heidelberg question one, that I am not my own but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. But often when you press us, what is the one thing that fills your nightmares? You would probably say, the loss of my family. And you probably would say, you probably wouldn't say, the loss of my Savior, the loss of my faith. You and I were made to find our identity in the one in whose image we bear. And Jonah confesses in that first little four words, I am a Hebrew, that his family identifies him more than his faith. It is a must to realize that there is a question that Jonah does not answer. It's the very first question they ask him. Notice the first question, verse 8. What is your occupation? Jonah does not identify himself as a prophet. Sin will mar your view of yourself as a Christian. It will try to re-identify you and cause you to renounce the things which the Lord declares about His people. Sin will tell you that you are bound and, and under the wages and power of sin when the Lord says that Christ has set you free. Sin lies and it causes us to announce our own identity. 
But here, Jonah's circumstances bring out the truth, don't they? You have to love that the Lord sends storms and rebukes those things wherein we find false sense of identity. The Lord is ridding His prophet of the things to which He clings. And I hope the Lord rids you and I of the things to which we would cling above Him. It is, as I said, a grateful thing to have it exposed. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that if you have been exposed and laid bare where the world has seen your sin, I want you to hear good news. That all men will be exposed. And every man's sin, woman's sin when I say man, every, every person's sin will be brought to the light on the last day. But I want you to know that if you are brought to be exposed today, that Christ offers you a better identity than you have in sin. That there is another story in Scripture where there is a sea and a boat and a raging storm where they question the identity of one on the boat. And here they, they discern what is the identity of the God of Jonah. But in Matthew chapter 8, when they come, the disciples, to Jesus who is sleeping in the midst of the tempestuous storm, and, they, and He calms the storm when He says, Peace, be still. They question His identity, not by saying, Who is your God? But who are you? That the storms the winds and the sea obey you, meaning you are the God of Jonah. There is a Savior in Matthew 8 to whom Jonah is in such a negative way pointing. There is a greater Jonah whose identity was exposed that you might be saved from the storm of God's wrath. Which is what we see. The Lord reclaims sinners. He reclaims sinners through exposing us. And the Lord reclaims sinners through making substitution for us. I want you to see how judgment is rendered in verse 10. Verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to Jonah, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. There is a growing fear in this passage. Verse 5, it says that the mariners were afraid. Verse 10, it says that they were exceedingly afraid. And the growing fear leads them to an expectation exclamation of outrage. And did you see it? Verse 10, what is this you have done? It occurs five other times in your Bible, one of which Genesis 3, when the Lord says, what is this you have done? To the fall, Adam and Eve. 
It's an outrageous thing. Why would you run from the Lord of heaven and earth who made the sea and the land? What folly and what world are you living in that you would run from Him? Do you truly think this ends well? And couldn't that question be put to you and I? In your running, do you truly think running from the Lord ends well? Now they know who, uh, what God they are to uh, try to abate. They ask him a question, verse 11 and 12. And they say, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? How do we make atonement for your rebellion? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. How do we appease this God whom you have gone adversarially to? And Jonah's answer is shocking. In fact, the men are not recorded to have responded to it. Verse 12. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. I want you to see a change in the prophet. The man who was below and asleep and not caring for anyone or anything, here offers his life in their stead. It is the beginning of a change in the prophet's heart. Jonah, seeing these men in their terrible state, has moved to one thing, pity. And his conscience is touched. And what he says is, in another way of saying it, is this, I'll fully take the wrath of the waves so that you don't have to. I want you to know that the appeasement of God for your sin is much greater than you count the cost for. We often think light of the cross because we think light of our own sin. And it is always more costly. What what does Ezekiel say the wages of sin is? Death. The soul that sins shall die. What does the Lord promise? In the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, you shall surely die, die. Twice in the Hebrew. But the consolation here. The prophet tells the people the, the one, only one who's in the boat knows the Lord, they're to throw out of the boat. Side note, ministers are expendable, especially the ungodly ones. Judgment starts here. But I want you to see that there's someone greater than Jonah this is pointing to. Jonah is cast into the sea to save men from his own sin. He sinned and brought dreadful consequences upon men, wherein they, they found themselves in a tempestuous sea. But Christ, 
is cast into the sea of God's wrath, not for his own sin, but for the sins of his people. That they might not have to bear the waves themselves. Jonah, in such a way, resembles his Savior as willing to go forth and make atonement. But these men try to, make it, uh, try to get out of it the other way. You see what happens in verse 13? It says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Notice, the men don't respond when he says, hurl me overboard. They go to their rowers and they begin to fight. And literally the word for uh, they, um, they rowed is the word for dig in the original. And what they are digging is Jonah's grave. The sea is growing The men are rowing and they're attempting to get away from this God by their own strength. It is amazing the things that we do rather than trusting the revealed will of the prophet. The Lord has told people since the beginning Believe in the offspring of the woman. And I will clothe you with righteousness. Right, Genesis 3, he clothes them. Because they believe the promise, verse 20 in Genesis 3. And, and what do we do? We say, yeah, but. These men hear the prophetic word of verse 12, and they didn't know he was a prophet. But they try their utmost to strive and wrestle with the Almighty in order to not do what the prophet has said. But I want you to see that the storm increasing, becoming more and more tempestuous, is showing that heaven and earth are more and more pursuing God's prophet. And there is an amazing line here that you must grab. Verse 14, the men call out to the Lord and they say, O Lord, let us not, lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, notice this phrase, have done as it pleased you. It was the pleasure of God to move heaven and earth to bring his son back to him. Can't you hear the gospel in this. That the Lord, in His grace and in His pleasure, sends the Son of His bosom, in whom He is always pleased to do what? To seek the one that has gone astray. To grab the sheep of His pasture and bring them back. And I want you to know that the heart of God in heaven is not begrudging to save His children. But the heart of God in heaven is full of compassion and mercy for you. When you are in your sin, God is not simply angry and frowning. He is working and restoring rebels. It is what the Puritans would always write. The heart of Christ 
in heaven for sinners. The title of the Puritan work. The Lord delights Himself in showing Himself as a strong Savior. Nevertheless, if you are wrestling with the Almighty, you will find yourself in more tempestuous seas. And if you do not heed the voice of the prophetic voice, you will find yourself in the depths of the oblivion. Did you see what happens to Jonah? Jonah, they say that it's done, uh, the Lord's done as he pleased. And then they, verse 15, notice where Jonah's sin takes him in dire straits. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. The men throw Jonah into the sea. Now, it is peculiar, and you, you have to note, that the sea in the, in the ancient Near East is, is not a nice place. Here in America, we try to move to be by the sea. But in the Hebraic mind, the sea was the place of death and the abyss. It was the most scary place in the ancient mind. So what does Genesis 1 begin with? Chaos. The picture of chaos in the Bible. And what they do is they take Jonah and throw him into darkness and abyss. And the abyss and wrath of God is where Jonah is seen to go down into. Brothers and sisters, run from your sin. It will lead you into a dreadful place. But I want you to see their response and our response in verse 16. It's, I told you that the Lord makes substitution for us. In verse 16, they throw Jonah into the sea and it says, that last phrase, verse 15, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord, literally a great fear. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Brothers, the mariners here are led to worship the one true God through seeing His wrath abated. Through seeing the prophet hurled into the sea and their own lives spared. Verse 15 produces the response of verse 16. The hurling of the prophet causes the men to worship the Lord. And you and I ought to have the same response. For we have seen the wrath of God abated in so much greater ways than simply a tempestuous sea. We have been saved not simply from a tempestuous sea, but what it actually resembled in the Hebraic mind. We have been saved from the wrath of the Lord. We have been saved from the abyss and darkness and death. And how have we been saved? Through Christ 
plunging the depths and going into the heart of the sea. How much more ought you and I to respond to the Savior than these mariners? How much more ought you and I to fear the Lord? Old Testament fears, New Testament faith, and offer our lives as a living sacrifice for Him. Romans 12. Brothers, it is wonderful to be a Christian. It is wonderful to know the wrath of God from your sin and my sin will never be brought to account. That there is, Romans 8, no condemnation left for you. The Lord has gone to the uttermost in order to reveal, expose, and reclaim us as sinners. And He's done this supremely in the work of our Savior. And so, see the Savior that Jonah points to. What does Jesus say? Matthew 12, 41. Someone greater than Jonah is here. And trust Him as the mariners. If you have never trusted in Him, the wrath of God, it pleased the Lord, Isaiah 53.10, pleased the Lord, verse 14, to crush Him. When He made His soul an offering for guilt, in Christ, the sin of His people is gone away. Run to the Savior and find that His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Well, brothers and sisters, the Lord reclaims sinners through exposing us. And the Lord reclaims sinners through making substitution for us. Let us go to him in prayer. Let's pray.